Good morning, church. It's, um, it's very sobering to uh, have the responsibility to bring a word from God. And um, uh, I, I prepped a, a preach a, a number of weeks back. And uh, I was ready. I mean, I was, I, was, I was going to preach. And then God did something completely else in the meeting. And I never actually got a chance to preach. So, so, so I thought, no, that's fine. That, that preach was then for me. So I, I absorbed it and I've, 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 I've gone through it. And, and then Chad, um, we were discussing and, and asked me to preach this Sunday. And I just couldn't get, get away again from this preach. So I reworked it about 10 times because God kept on taking me down these rabbit holes. And it's, it's just such a big subject. Um, but I, I, I believe God wants to really hone in on, on, some, on some truths. And uh, the TMT guys, I, I, I try and keep up with, with, with what they're doing through, through my son, Benjamin. And um, I, I read an article by Mike Tofei. He's the, he's the dean of TMT. And uh, they had watched a, a, a documentary on what is a woman. I don't know if, if any of you have watched it. It's, it's on um, YouTube. It's by Matt Walsh. Um, and it's a shocking video, uh, especially what's happening in America. And I don't want to go into that. But what struck me was that no one could answer what is a woman. Because it's all relative. What is a woman to you? And I realized that Truth is under attack, and absolute truth no longer exists for most people. It's all, it's subjective. It's how I feel about that truth. And the problem is, it's infiltrating the church. And that's what I want to address today. I want to share with you that God's word is the absolute truth. And we need to confirm it, we need to rely on it, we need to read it. And um, I can answer that question, what is a woman, through the scriptures. And this is absolute. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him this no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That is who we are. We're not defined by anything else but a new creation in Christ. And what's happening is, say the Bible is here in terms of the plumb line, and this is God's word, and culture, social media, and um, Instagram, people's opinions are down over here. And so what the church does, or what as a believing body of people, we are torn between the two. And so we don't quite want to go all the way there, because that's just, you know, extreme. 
But then we look at the Word of God and we go, do I believe it all as objective truth, as absolute truth? And we go, you know, we're living in 2022. We can't take everything what the Bible says as appropriate for today. And so we kind of position ourselves in the middle. We, we, we kind of, we don't want to go there because that's where we think the world is. But we're moving further and further away from absolute truth, from what the Word teaches us about who we are and what our identity is. And I want to encourage us to get back to the plumb line, to the biblical truth. You see, I better not go ahead of myself here. You see, the Bible should never be out or out of touch. If, if you have a thought that the Bible, parts of it are not relevant, then you've already shifted to that side. And we need to be careful of how much we feed this side. You see, it's like a tug of war. The, the, the uh, truth is fastened, it's anchored, it can't move. But media and the church, we, 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 we're being pulled. And uh, it depends on what you listen to more, is how much we pulled in what direction. Um, so our biblical worldview is being eroded away. How do we view the world? Is it through social media? Or is it through the Word of God? You know, a friend of mine, an intelligent friend, I had a conversation with him once, and uh, he worked night shift, so he had lots of time on his hands. He didn't always have work, so he watched a lot of YouTube. And suddenly, he came up with the idea from what he was watching that the earth is flat. And he really tried to convince me. And I'm going, are you okay? It's a conspiracy. Every astronaut that's been up, they're covering it up. And I'm going, really? <laughs> but he had been so consumed by people's opinions that he fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. Now, that might seem like an extreme example. But where are we as a church, as a believer, where are we? falling for what the world has to offer. Um, just a few weeks back, uh, we had a prophetic word come through for our church, and it said we need to hold the line. We, we need to hold the line in our values. And I believe this is um, what this preach is about. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 12, it says, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. This morning we had a word of God is refining or, 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 or um, purifying his bride. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, 
your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. In other words, we've got to realize that there's another gospel being preached. It sounds true. It sounds right. It's believable. I turned on God TV a number of years ago just to see what it was about. I I don't generally watch God TV. And I was shocked. I even went to Chad the next day. We went for a run. I said, I could not believe what I was hearing. Because I was lining it up, and my spirit was just going, no, that's not what the Bible intended to say. And I, and, and I actually got quite upset, because the Word of God is being completely twisted to tickle our ears. And we've got to be so careful. But how do we check that? And that's where I'm going. About this, uh, this is Hebrews 5, verse 11 to, 13, uh, to 14. It says, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become, become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the author of Hebrews is addressing, we we believe to be Jewish Christians, because they had a a good grasp of the Old Testament. And these these Christians were falling away from the, the faith. And so the writer is, is using the Old Testament to point to Jesus. It's, it, it's, it's, a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful book to read. So what's the answer? I've told you the problem. And sorry, I was meant to open with, God has really been talking to me about this too. <laughs> I'm not in front of you saying that I've got this 100% waxed. Please. In fact, this is what he's busy doing in me right now. But I want to share the excitement because I believe that, you know, I'm changing. I'm, I'm, being, re- I'm being renewed. My, my identity in Christ is being born, born again. And um, so I'm just putting a disclaimer there. This, I'm... I'm, I'm giving to you in humility. So what's the answer? So what's the answer? I'll first give you an illustration. So the other day we went to Quinton's house, and I have asked permission to use this as an example for Quinton. I believe no less of him. Um, But Quinton has a macadamia tree in his garden. 
Chad even had a macadamia tree in his garden. <laughs> had. <laughs> and uh, so now, if you don't know me, I grow macadamia trees on our farm. In fact, I've got 9,000 of them. <laughs> so I know a thing or two about macadamia trees, and I'm still learning. And so I said to Quinton, I said, how long is, has that macadamia tree been in the ground for? And if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, it was about two, two years. Is Quinton here? Uh, Quinton's church. Yeah. So just over two years. So around about the time that I planted mine. So his macadamia tree, the kids are here, is probably about hip height. Okay, it's got three branches, and it looks kind of like it was planted a few weeks ago. But it's been in the ground for two and a half years. I planted macadamia two and a half years ago, and mine, I, I can't touch the top of the, of the leaves now. Now, many of you actually came and helped me plant during lockdown. It was fantastic. Your investment is going to give a return, I can promise. <laughs> but now, what's the difference? It's still a macadamia tree. What, what caused that tree <laughs> what caused that tree to not grow much? I mean, it's in soil, the, the other plants are growing. And what caused my trees to be like that size? Well, let's go into a little bit of, of farming. I'll be as quick as I can. But trees have a complex nutritional need. Uh, they need macro elements, they need micro elements, you need nitrogen, um, that's for the chlorophyll, it helps the tree um, grow uh, to convert water, you need phosphorus, that's for the growth of the roots, you need potassium, um, that's for the fruit. And then you get the micro elements, and one of them is copper. And without copper, those macro elements struggle to be absorbed. And my dad tells me a story of when he used to farm when he was small, that he used to tie copper wire behind the plow. Because that's how small amount that the plant needs. So just the wearing out, just the abrasion on the copper of the soil gives the copper that the soil needs. And it's incredible how just those micro elements are needed. Now, I can, by looking at Quinton's tree, I, I know that that tree is hanging on for survival. <laughs> it's not getting the nutrients it so craves. And that's exactly the same as we are as Christians. I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I go, but where's the growth? I go, why are you still struggling with the same issues that you were struggling with 20 years ago? What's happened? I can guarantee you, you are hanging on with your bare teeth. And what is short, or what you're lacking, is a balanced diet. Of what? Scripture. Of God's Word. You see, it's no use me giving you my revelation, or my opinion. What's yours? Do you know the Bible for you? Are you able to watch God TV and go, 
that is offline. That isn't a plumb line. Are you able to, and I'm hoping the TMT students are doing that with me now. Are they going, John, I believe what you're saying there is, yes, that's true, but what you said there, mm, I, I need to wrestle with, with, with that. I want them to give me feedback. They're coming to the farm on Friday. I want them to give me feedback. My wife is not, unfortunately, here to today. She's normally my, my greatest critic. <laughs> but, but, but my sister's here. I, I expect a full, uh, a full deep brief in the car. But it's good because I need to grow too. But now there are tensions between these truths. And I think this is what most people get scared of. Because there is tension in the truths of, of God. What I loved about 4.12, what, and I picked it up straight away, is that there was a prophetic word that came, and it said God wants to show us His banqueting table, and He wanted to bless us. And I thought, amen. He says, but then God wants to take us to the altar where we have to sacrifice things. And there's such a tension between those two. If the conference had only been about God's blessing, we would have missed God. If the conference had only been about the, about the dying to self, we would have missed God. There's a balance. There's a, there's a nutritional balance that we need that we have to weigh up. Sometimes we just need a little bit of the copper. I'll give you... Another big ex example, and, and this is really an area that God has been speaking to me a lot about, and, uh, and uh, I, I used to preach a lot on being a son of God, and I think it's a brilliant message, but you know what? I neglected the whole thing. You know, whenever I read in the Bible that we are called to be slaves, I just skipped over it, because that wasn't what the, the, the revelation of being a son was about. So I, I, I just kind of ignored it. And God has challenged me massively to read the Bible more balanced. And uh, another example is Jesus is our Lord and Jesus is our Savior. If we don't keep those two things in tension, either one of those can become wrong. It's right, but without the other one, it's actually wrong. So he is our Savior, but if He's only your Savior, you'll never um, have obedience to His Lordship. You will have this hyper grace, and no matter what you do, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Now, yes, you are, but He's also your Lord. He, he also has to come in and discipline you. He's also got to come and correct you. He's also got to come. And so... If I, if I lose sight of Jesus as my Savior, then I'm just going to see him with a big old, I'm, I'm, go, I'm going to see him like a big old man with a big stick. And, and it's just going to be law. And I'm going to go into dead religion. And so we have to, we have to understand both. Solomon says this. In Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, it says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. When we read the Bible, we are gaining wisdom. We are gaining understanding. We are gaining the knowledge. 
Ephesians is a fantastic book. And uh, I've got a lot of scripture here that I'm going to start to cut out a bit because we're going to run out of time. Um, it says in Ephesians 5 verse 10, it says, and try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Um, in Ephesians 5 verse 15, which is the key verse that I wanted to pull out here, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That careful is a lovely word. It says, look carefully. The, the, the Greek is akribos, and it means exactly, circumspectly, diligently perfect. In, in, in other words, we've got to understand the, these truths, we've got to understand these truths and walk exactly in the middle. We've got to have an understanding of both and then choose as wise men to walk in the middle. And it carries on. And uh, we hit um, Ephesians 5 verse 25. And this is uh, what came out this morning as well. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So this morning when, we, when that word came that, that God wants to purify his church, how do we do it? Well, by the washing of the word. And um, the answer is that, you know, I feed my macadamia trees every single day. In fact, when I get home now, I've got to go and switch on the pumps and stir the chemicals. And every single day they want food. How often and how much do we want to feed ourselves and wash ourselves? You know, I think, I don't know about you, but when your kids are young, they don't want to bath. And they start to stink, especially when they, 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 they hit puberty. It starts to become a smell. We encourage them to wash every day. All right? How often do we wash ourselves in the Word? The answer is every day. But I think sometimes we get a bit scared of the Word. Because it's this thick book. And um, so I looked at how long it takes to read the book. And uh, just as an illustration, some farmers, uh, they try to put fertilizer just all at once. They, they dug a hole and they put a hole, like a cupful of fertilizer, into the ground. They covered it up and hopefully the tree would just absorb a little bit per, per day and the tree would know when. Um, when they, when they, when they, they uncovered the experiment and they dug, the trees, uh, the roots were nowhere near the f fertilizer. The fertilizer was still there because it was too much. It was too much in one go. And um, I think that's how we, we, we sometimes feel about the, the Bible, if, if, if we, you know. But do you know that it only takes 70 hours to read the entire Bible? 
if I had to stand up here and read it out loud, the, the pace I'm speaking now, it would take me 70 hours. 20 hours for the New Testament, 50 hours for the, for the Old. It's not actually that big. Uh, do you know that the chapters of the Bible were added in 1205 by Cardinal Stephen Langton? And uh, the verses were later added by a bookshop keeper in 1551. Now by uh, Robert Estein. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad. I mean, it's really good that we can reference. But the Bible was never intended to be read chapter by chapter or verse by verse. It was intended to be read like a scroll from start to finish. And I want to implore you, when you read your Bible, don't just pick a favorite verse. Because that favorite verse you're going to be bent towards, and that's going to be your, you want a full diet. You want to work, you, you want to walk in the middle of the road. You want the scriptures you love and the scriptures that you struggle with. And you want to be able to understand them both. And sometimes we need both to understand, to, to, uh, to understand the, the rest. I, um, I was studying theology and uh, I was studying Romans and Galatians. And the two books came together as one subject because they both deal with, with God's grace. And uh, I, was, I was studying the word to pass the test. I was, I was reading it because um, it was, I think the test was on Friday and this was the Tuesday. And so I'm, I'm, I'm scramming a bit because we were quite busy. I was in the TMT course like, like these guys are. Um, and suddenly, while I was studying to pass the test, the Holy Spirit dropped in. And it went from here to here. And for three days, you couldn't speak to me. I just cried. I just bawled my eyes out. And Kanye says, what's wrong with you? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> God's grace touched my life. It became a revelation, which brings me to a warning. The Bible without the Holy Spirit Spirit is dangerous. Pray that God, by His Holy Spirit, would reveal His words to you. Because if the Holy Spirit is not involved, it becomes dead religion very quickly. And if you and and this is a, a telltale sign of who you can believe in terms of theology, of who you listen to, are they fully baptized? Do they show evidence of walking hand in hand with the Holy Spirit? Because I can guarantee you that if we had to ask a similar question like, what is a woman, to the church, but change the question to, what does a healthy church look like? Or... Um, how does, what does the Bible say about how we are to worship God? You're going to get very different answers. But the Bible is very clear. 
Some will say, well, you worship God depending on how you want to worship God. That's not what the, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible has very specific ways in which we need to worship God. Or, let me um, continue. I could really get into this. The Word and the Spirit must be together. It's like a train track. It's like as the Word goes, the Spirit goes. As soon as you go around a sharp corner and you let go of the Word, you're going you're to fall over. And the same goes as soon as you let go of the Spirit and you only concentrate on the Word, you're going to fall over. The Spirit and the Word have to go together. Romans uh, 12 verse 1, it says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be confirmed, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's that word again, perfect. Our minds have to be transformed. And we cannot transform our minds if we're stuck on Instagram or if we're stuck behind the, the uh, TV. And I've, I've been challenged lately on what I watch. When I was at the training center, uh, we had a sign on the TV box, just above the TV box. We, we uh, didn't have social media then. We only had the TV. But we had a sign above the TV. It says, watch what you watch. That's a, hold on to that one. Watch what you watch. Watch it. Because you are being swayed. You're being lured. Satan, oh, he's passionate about getting you away from this truth. He wants to lure you away so much. Uh, Instagram and that's got algorithms just to keep you there, stuck. Hmm? It's also what you read, absolutely. Watch what you watch. Watch what you are absorbing because it's going to change your Christian identity. It will. It will. Yeah. I actually just, in that, I just feel there's even a caution in that because I know there's some readers amongst us, because I'm, I don't, you know, guys will say, I don't watch anything, but I really feel for those of you that love to read, I believe there's a caution in the Holy Spirit as well, watch what you're reading, because I know some of you guys, well, I don't, I don't relate, because I don't watch anything, I read a lot, but I think sometimes there's more danger in what you're reading, all right, so I just, I just felt that, in the, as Johnny's speaking, just be careful what you're reading, there's a lot of good stuff out there, there's a lot of information, but uh, who's got a floppy Bible for me quickly, Stephen? This is the plumb line. This is the only thing that really matters. There's some great information. There's some great writers. There's some great men out there that have got a lot of good advice. But I just, I just felt a, a caution in the spirit that watch what you are reading. Absolutely. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. In closing, I want to read uh, John 4, 34 to 
41. This is Jesus. And uh, he's just, uh, this is the woman at the well. Um, And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows, the other reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have not entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there there two days, and many more believed because of his word. So there were two. There were two words that were spoken. There was the testimony of the Samaritan woman, but then there was the word of Jesus. And it's great that you are hearing me preach. It's great that you are hearing my testimony of what is God is 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 teaching me through what what I'm I'm I'm. Uh, wrestling with at the moment, but then you've got to go back to the Word. What's God saying to you? Because many came because of God's Word. And uh, I had a picture of a flag, and I, I chatted it through the, to the guys, and um, I saw people holding up a flag. The first example was they're holding up a flag that is not of God. They're holding up things in their life that are, are more than the kingdom of God. Their careers, their families, something that, that they're holding up as far more important. Ideologies, um, thoughts that are just not of God. But then I saw people that were holding up a flag representing the kingdom of God. But the flag had some colors that were missing. You know when you have an inkjet printer and it's printing and, 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 and the yellow, for example, just runs dry or gets blocked. And suddenly there's some very strange colors that start appearing on the page. And I felt that that is how some of us, we believe things that aren't quite true because we don't understand the context. We don't understand the, 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 the tension within the truth. And um, I want to ask you, do you believe that the whole Bible is absolute truth? Or is it relative to you? And I want to challenge you. And I believe that God wants to challenge us all, including me, that we need to rediscover what we believe, not on other people's opinions, 
you know, but we need to read the word for, for, for ourselves. We need to read it from cover to cover and know it, digest it, wrestle with it, speak to your friends about it, ask questions, because that is what's going to grow you to become a mature tree, a tree where the birds want to come and nest, a tree that is, is a refuge for the lost, a refuge for, the, for the, the ones that need truth. And so, Chad, I, I don't know if you want to, how you want to do the, um, if, if there's a response, but uh, I'm, I'm praying that you are challenged and that we want to fall in love again with the Word of God. You see, I've studied theology, so I could say, I've been there, I've done that. But God has challenged me to rework this, to rediscover His truth. I've got to start again. Just because of my past, it doesn't mean that I'm now home dry. Because you see, if that tree is not growing, it's dying. It's as simple as that. And uh, I want to praise God that, you know, the last three years in this church, I have changed so much. You can ask my wife. She's a testimony and she's rejoicing. <laughs> but it's because I've been obedient to every nudging that God has said, John, be careful in this. John, do this. And, I've, and I have. And the, 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 I, I've changed. And I want to invite you to this incredible journey. Just in line with what John was sharing, I, I just just had a picture when you, when you when you used the illustration of the flag, and uh, I thought you know the first flag that we should all have to come to the knowledge of the truth, and it's not just head knowledge; it's an intimate knowledge. It's actually a flag of surrender. It's a white flag that says, "God, you come and put the colours in here," because I don't, you know, John, John the Baptist spoke. Uh, of the coming of Jesus and, and, and the spoke of the coming of the kingdom. And he, the, the words that he spoke was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the moment the kingdom is preached, there has to be a response that I actually know nothing. And uh, even John, who preached this, said, I must decrease that Christ might increase. And there, there's a knowledge to come to this truth. And I must admit, I, I think even as a teacher, I've studied the word, I've loved the word, but... I, I've kept that in, in a sense that there's been moments where I've made the Word in itself to be the ultimate of what makes me. But actually, God has shown me since I've been in the church, repentance is knowing the Word, but it's actually allowing you guys to disciple this truth in me because I don't carry the fullness of Christ. We do together as a church carry that. And so, so the knowledge of the truth isn't necessarily just me knowing. It's coming to that place of intimate knowledge. And uh, we have to come to that place to be a repentant person saying, God, um, I'm willing to, to receive. You know, part of being a disciple is being a learner, which means, God, I don't have it all. So bring this truth. Make it revelation. But it's not that I can have a head knowledge. Make it a revelation that it becomes a transformation in my life. And when it's transformation, God can use us and move us as, as one, as a body that He's called us to be, in order that we might extend His kingdom.